0: In today's episode, we spoke with Ali Moore, or commonly known as Buggable. Ali is based in California and is a key spokeswoman in the edible insect industry. She has helped people overcome the fear of eating insects and replaced it with the curiosity to explore. You will learn about the history of bugs, the psychological factors playing on the minds of consumers, where bugs are going to next, and of course, how to make bugs fun in the kitchen. Ali is on a mission to open minds and mouths. Welcome to today's episode on the Brighter Futures with Chloro podcast. I'm thrilled to have Ali Moore, aka Buggable, with me on today's show. Thanks for coming on board, Ali.
1: Thanks for having me. Been looking forward to this for a couple of months now.
0: I know we've, we've had a few chats before and, and yeah, we just get on like a house on fire, which is awesome. So I wanted you to just sort of explain a little bit about your, your background, your study, and of course, how you sort of created for people that might not know Buggable and the whole, um, brand behind that.
1: Yeah. Uh, it feels, uh, it's been actually a while now since Buggable started. Um, that was when I was in sophomore or junior year of college, I had spend a summer in Mexico to do some public health work and that was the first bug encounter where there were these taco stands called uh, tacos de Chapulín, and I wanted to try some because I'm an exploratory eater and will try anything like twice uh and they were legitimately delicious I went home uh that year and was going to prank my family by finding bugs to eat in the U.S. and making something for Thanksgiving so that's what like entered me into the matrix, I like found these Reddit forms and some small discussion boards about how to eat insects safely in the U S uh, and that just built curiosity and led me to going to initially pet stores that seemed to have good feed stocks for the crickets and <laughs> doing other things to learn about the space and then ended up messaging companies that were growing crickets at the time. Some of the earlier ones like to and Entomo farms in Thailand unique. Uh, and then became a part of the family started blogging about it and just as a hobby hosting events like bug dinners uh, and bug and wine pairings and doing sticks with content partners or YouTubers or the Girl Scouts as I could. Um, so over the years, just become a, a bridge to find ways to insert insects into the broader conversation and into the general public in a way that is safe or at the very least entertaining instead of scary uh, or anything else. So yeah, fun and adventurous.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say the chapelines is, is, yeah, it's the official term for crickets, isn't it? So when you were having these, was it the full sort of bug or was it sort of in a powder form or, I mean, that's a sort of other intriguing thing about insects is the different sort of forms and, and ways you can eat them as well.
1: Yeah, it was the full bug in the tacos. They're like little, little shrimps or yeah, crickets or grasshoppers. So definitely saw the, the full creature and was excited about that that was cool you know
0: yeah and and at the time we, uh, were you with a bunch of friends and were they again sort of as interested in jumping into it as you or has there always been this sort of interest from, from yourself personally to to eat bugs and sort of work and enjoy them in your life
1: honestly uh I I think just the curiosity is and like I want to try things and I love experiences and I think the beauty of being alive is just amassing experience, Um, so maybe I was a little more curious than my friends and less squeamish, but I I was and am afraid of live bugs, (laughs) you know, the weird part and why I think I can understand the psychology of people who kind of freak out because I have like an irrational fear of ants that I'm slowly overcoming and I'm growing my mealworms now, so I'm working up to like being more comfortable handling live insects, but there is something about them still that gives me like the heebie-jeebies, so... If I can do it, anyone can, is kind of the mindset.
0: Because that's an interesting point there as well, the sort of ick factor, because when you look at a a lot of the insects that are being used for both feed and for, for human consumption, stuff like... I mean, I'll pull the, the analogy, like the black soldier fly, even though it's not a house fly, people instantly sort of make those two correlations. And then, you know, everyone's got this ickiness about flies being dirty and then same with, with crickets or, you know, people sort of have this jump and ick factor and you don't quite see that with sorts of other forms technically. I mean, some people get squirmish with fish and it mostly just becomes about, yeah, being around them. So from a psychological point of view, how have you sort of, I guess yourself sort of started adapting, but where are you seeing other people sort of start shifting their sort of perceptions around this, this concept of eating it versus yeah, the, the ick of seeing it live.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's like one of the coolest things about this industry is how much it plays into psychology and, and emotion and all these uh, very intimate part uh parts of being alive. Like food is what you share with somebody like at home. It's part of your culture. It's part of like your Socioeconomic status. It's also part of creativity and expression and identity and all that stuff. So, uh, with insects, it's all about framing and like creating a space or an environment where um, people are curious and exploratory, like a bug and wine pairing. You're asking people to put on like a sommelier hat, and we're here for the flavor and exploring it. And, you know, folks in that setting will uh, try moldy cheeses and compare them to divine wines and they're looking for stuff like that is gamified, uh, versus like at a restaurant or like in a other setting, people are just pre-equipped with their cultural conditioning and their judgments and whatever as is. And in Western cultures, we have a lot of, uh, fear factor associated with insects. They're like the villains or scary things in movies or in stories. And it's just all this cultural conditioning that delivers insects as something that bear disease and pestilence and filth, but like, yeah, the lobster is a classically cited success story. Um, those, I think I would be much more terrified of finding a lobster in, you know, my sink than, uh, a bug, for example. Um, yeah. but we're, we're marketed to accept the lobster now as food. And I think it's not a long jump to get there with a bunch of other insects too.
0: So then that sort of feeds itself into how, and it's a million dollar question really, is how do we start encouraging people to see these bugs in a different sort of light? And yeah, as we know, you know lobsters were the prime example they would never consider food. And then it's almost became a delicacy. And then it sort of backtracked to just an everyday sort of food. And personally, I'm not the biggest pardon me seafood eater because um, I personally get that sort of ickiness factor um, and I don't even know why, but I know so many other people do, but i have sort of got this openness to sort of try bugs and I haven't really got that, which I think is again this this fascinating thing that you can't really put your, your finger on it. but yeah, how do we sort of encourage is it through mainstream? is it through what, what you're doing education or is it yeah these nifty sort of things like you're doing as well the food and wine pairings and um, I, I don't know it's 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 such a it's such an open open question really as well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the answer isn't simple either. It's like a very holistic approach where it's a mix of all these different things where um, in the early days of Bugaball, there were like active Facebook discussions and debates that I would like tune into because people had very strong opinions about how to approach uh, anything like a picture online, for example, like there's um, it's too sensational or like you're you're putting the insect in a lollipop and it'll get stuck there as a novelty food and won't be integrated in as like a normal run-of-the-mill protein source. Um, So like how much do you use the sensationalism to get the word out and to market it versus how much do you charge horse and like, it's normal. It's like integrated. In fact, we're not even talking about the bug. We're focusing on other ingredients, which a lot of companies have very successfully done. Um, So you definitely need both. And I play around with both to kind of feel out like, what's appropriate to what group in what situation. But I think uh, like I'm reading this great book right now called Wanting and it's about mimetic uh, theory and how desire is, it comes from values, unless you know marketing, money or modeling gets in the way, which often does. And so just inherently, once we get a little bit of momentum which we have as an industry and we start modeling, like making, food choices based off of your values and like environmental impact and nutrition and getting all these messages out there, it'll have, I think a pretty quick momentum because mimetic theory will catch hold. People will see other people making these food choices or being okay with it at least. And then we'll, we'll go on from there.
0: Yeah. And I, and that's such a, a fundamental thing. And I, I sound like a broken record because I say it so many times is, yeah, there's this massive push from, yeah, government's people to look for sustainable and and eco-friendly products and and food and and help solve these massive problems that are emerging and I'm sort of optimistic that a lot of the younger generation and and even some kids coming up are, are just going to leap at this because they don't have any predispositions they don't have any stigmas around it and if they're raised seeing it out there just in a normalized sense um, it, it, it'll just be accepted which I think is inevitable I just don't quite know what the the time frame is um, but I guess uh, another thing is um, th- the history behind eating bugs. And I know every place is different around the world. Did you want to, I guess, talk a, and shed a little bit of light on on the history that you've sort of seen in edible edible bugs?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really fascinating uh, topic. And Julie Lesnick has an amazing book out about it called Evolution of Eating Insects. There's a lot of books on the topic too. Um, so, all like, cherry pick a few highlights without actually having dates uh, or sources in front of me, but basically like eating bugs is not a new superfood trend. I've seen a couple articles that say like bugs are the new blueberries, the new tail. and it's like okay well they're they're new to some cultures and they probably won't be a trend, like they are deeply uh, important to our food system and, and feed systems, so they're here to stay uh, and they have been consumed by different cultures across the globe for as long as humans have existed, and there's stories of um, in North America. This was what the natives were eating, you know, amongst other things. That hunter gatherers would be able to collect insects and eat those for their nutrient dense and sometimes medicinal properties. That uh, a lot of the reason why the stigma exists around bugs in the West so strongly is because explorers came here and they wanted to colonize and to do bad things to a group of people you other them so you know we must save the barbarians from their ways look at them they like don't worship our same god and they are eating bugs oh my gosh we have to fix that so you know that process of othering um happened and created more of a stigma in the west uh but there's a rich history that still um that you can still see in many places across the world you can see Bundagi, which is this i don't know if i pronounce that right but silkworms and that's in uh, Vietnam. And then you have places like Cambodia that serve ants. You have chapulines, which are not as widespread as I thought in Mexico, mostly concentrated in Oaxaca. Um, You have, I don't know if you count snails as a bug, but you know, as cargo in France, Um, in China, ants have been used as a medicine for thousands of years uh bali has dragonfly soup so there's all these cases where you can just look and see insects being applied uh, or used really really normally and then some cases where they are like uh a tourist attraction so in thailand there's lots of vendors that will sell scorpions on a stick but it's not really as common it's more of like a tourist trap so you see the balance in the mix
0: okay yeah because i was gonna say the other one is yeah south africa i spoke with with a lady that does mapani worms and that again is a very sort of ingrained cultural thing and people that leave the country are still sort of searching for, and it's just like a part of who they are, and they don't see any sort of icky factor or anything. It's just like it's part of their diet, which I think is, again, such a – uh, a foundation to, to so many people is that, yeah, some people are viewing it as, oh, uh, it's gross and I don't ever want to try it. And other people are like, oh, I love it. Like it's, it's just a normal part of my diet. And I think that's another key to get across is that a lot of people that are eating bugs aren't just solely eating bugs. Because um, I think that's another perception that people get. It's just like for breakfast, lunch and dinner, all I'm doing is eating my... Ants, crickets, mealworms, and and what have you. But it's it's a substitute that falls into your diet. So that leads itself into how do you best, and you're personally, how do you best incorporate eating bugs and which ones are you incorporating at which times of day and recipes as well.
1: Yeah, just uh you reminded me real quickly, a last note on the history of bugs. It's it's um that I've been like doing deep dives into like fun old text, but you can see insects mentioned in places. I, I thought somebody would call out sooner like they're in the Torah and like Leviticus it like lists which insects are kosher and it says specifically like you can eat like locusts grasshoppers and like catadids and some others but it's like there you know so eat, it's, eat it's, bugs not those bugs like it's
0: it's, it's,
1: yeah and it's like literally so it's just funny and there's like a lot of um I think Aristotle or a famous philosopher talks about like LARP, like this bug sugar poop thing. Uh, so it's a very fun topic to explore. Um, as for how I incorporate bugs, I uh, get the same answer or question that I think you just referenced where people would be like, oh, you eat bugs. So for every single meal, like that's it, you just eat bugs. I guess I could. Um, that would be really healthy, I guess. But I used to just eat insects when I had like a thing to prep for, or I don't know, like I didn't have insects readily available and they were still on short supply and, uh, kind of a novelty for me, like many years ago. Uh, so I treated them like that and just used them when I had to prep. But today I try to eat insects at least once a day, because it's like, honestly the best way for me to get my nutrients. Like I'm iron deficient and I like get nauseous with iron pills. So I found that taking cricket supplements fixes that and honestly like makes me feel better holistically. So I'll just make a smoothie in the morning with bugs. Uh, I use black ants on salads. They are amazing and they're really pretty too. So they look good if you're trying to plate the food. Uh, and then, yeah, just using the variety of like consumer products that are available, like the protein bars that we can like use now are, uh, vast and varied and delicious. There's some amazing oatmeal from mighty cricket that I've been eating a lot of recently. Uh, the, yeah, I don't want to just start listing off basically every bug company. Yeah, there yeah. So many products. It's so easy.
0: Yeah. Cause the, and that's the, that's the thing I want to know is, is yeah, a lot of people are, are using smoothies, um, to do it, but have you started sort of dabbling with, again, bringing it over and sort of doing that surprise unveil of not telling people that you put it in there. I mean, you probably haven't quite got the ability to do that now with your reputation, but you know, you mentioned it before that you were slowly sort of sneaking it in without people knowing, do you still occasionally do that? Um, Probably don't have the same sort of um, trustworthiness that (laughs) you would originally. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I had a reprieve from needing to bring anything to family meals for a while. But now I like actively bring bugs as a dish to different holidays and they're okay with it, which is cool. Um, I don't really I've learned to not like surprise somebody with bugs because I don't want to scar anyone or create like a bad experience or. Uh, mess up with a food allergy or something like that. So um, I do try to be that person that is just like has a bag of ants in her bag when we're out and about. And like, I'm off chance that it gets brought up. I have samples to provide, you know? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, So my current schtick is bringing bugs to like concerts or like small get togethers whenever they're happening COVID safely, of course, um, and seeing how people react to insects in that setting, because it's like, a bunch of people who have never heard of this before. Cool. You need to like remember like well, how people react and like what what words work. Like who cares about what is sustainability really? Like a point that people are weighing now. Because I think I think it is like from a few years ago. Even people are legitimately trying to find like protein sources and other things that are easy on their gut. And they know about terms like bioavailability and they know about things like supplements don't really. Do the trick all the time like even if you don't care about the world and you just want something that works well for your body like there is something about the way natural ingredients are combined and the body's ability to absorb those versus taking them in a supplement pill form so insects are uh not that hard to sell right now once you just <laughs> explain the why and the fact that this is an option
0: yeah and that's Another thing that you just keep hearing is people saying that it it digests a lot quicker, and I still think there there needs to be quite a lot more research because, uh, well, I, mean, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but people do want proof of proof of concept, and it's it's good to say that you know it is it is better digested, but it's all well, against what and and how, uh, and again that leads itself to a, a really good point there about allergies. Have your experiences led to seeing? any sorts of yeah, people not sitting well with bugs and and thinking future ahead, um, inevitably there probably will be some some allergies. How can we as a society sort of help sort of understand that um side, that potential side of of eating insects as well?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really so that's probably above um my familiarity with like the the regulatory and food science portion. But from what I've seen, like if you are allergic to shellfish um, because of an enzyme or protein in the exoskeleton of many insects, or dust mites, which people have, um, uh, or bugs themselves, then yeah, we should be wary of um, insects. I have just, without intending to, like fed insects to people with those allergies though, and they've been fine, and that was a retrospective learning, Um, but that's certainly not worth being quoted on. I honestly think that insects will fill a category for people who are, uh, gastrointestinally sensitive or like maybe they've had surgery or they, you know, maybe they are celiac. I think that counterintuitively at first insects are really, really good for people with sensitive stomachs because of how nutrient dense they are and how gentle they are on the stomach. They're, um, full of like probiotics and they are highly absorbent. Um, so. I think this will be a really good solution for people that have IBS colitis or infants or the elderly or anyone that needs lots of nutrient, nu- many nutrition, laugh words, nutrients, but has a hard time digesting.
0: Yeah, because I'm sort of, again, hopeful, but you have to sort of think from the devil's advocate side that, you know, just a minor setback in something and then the entire sort of um, industry sort of reputation gets pulled back if there's any sorts of people that react poorly and that sort of lends itself to, you know, research and and scientists need to get on board and sort of start understanding how people are absorbing, um, the uh, sort of yeah, absorbing the, the foods and, and using them and the nutrients, and that will hopefully be something that that not only yeah, companies and and research and development and governments get on board with because if it's if it is truly a solution to all these emerging problems, then there really should be some some focus financially to to find it and yeah I mean I'm hopeful that we do sort of go down that path and I think it's it's inevitable but again we've so we're sort of enclosed in this sort of bubble so it's always good to take a step back and be well yeah if someone's never heard of this sort of stuff what are the sort of big key factors and things that they're going to be looking for from yeah eating bugs that's yeah absolutely
1: and on the research real quickly the the cool parts about the moment in time we're in are that we've kind of it's been building and metaphors like tsunami kind of, uh, maybe that is insensitive, I'm not sure, but that has been used as a metaphor for like the just groundswell of activity happening in this industry. And then how much actually has changed from a regulatory, like international trade group, uh, like just from the maturity of individual businesses as well, um, we're in this wild spot right now where. Um, you can just feel like the big food players all know that they need different ingredients um, consumers know a little bit more about uh, how their decision making impacts the world and their own health and um, and we are getting. Uh, a lot of research now that's been in development for years, but now we have some white papers being released about like feeding insects to chickens and fish and pets like. What a positive impact, like there are these horrible things like when chickens, like endocrotic and I'm not going to attempt that. Uh, That's necrosis. Right. <laughs> um, but Basically the state of farmed fish and chicken and other animals is really, really poor. And there's everything from necrosis to like, they're being fed things that are diuretic. Um, like they're not supposed to eat diets of just corn and soy and other stuff like that but subsidies in the US at least keep those um, path dependencies in place. But running studies on um, broiler chickens, you see that their mood improves, that health outcomes improve, that things like shell, um, uh, the the shells break less often. So like uh, more chickens come to full life and uh, overall immune, immunological benefits and mood benefits and all these great things that we're seeing now in white papers that, can be translated up and even if people don't want to eat bugs they certainly want to eat better chicken better fish like healthier meat uh that's raised more sustainably too and we're seeing places like France that are a little ahead of the curve they have uh insect fed trout and that's been doing super well it's kind of like the equivalent of grass-fed beef so lots on the horizon
0: yeah and that's the the multi side of this this industry is I mean, yeah, you look at the feed side of it for for agriculture, um, and then you look at, again, feeding people's pets, and there's a massive, massive market in feeding pets, um, and that's, I'd only say, it's grown over the past sort of pandemic state, and then, of course, then you shift towards to people, and and yeah, you are saying um, the, these big sort of companies that are in the food already, they're looking for additional things they can add to their already designed products that increase their product range or the nutritional value. And if this is something they can sneak in, I mean, I sort of feel that some of them will sort of start putting it in there. And until recently, people were never really looking at the, the back of their product and seeing what was actually in there. But you can just see that from a from a marketing perspective that they will put it in there and name it something, something creative. And then if you do your digging down, you'll notice that it is from from an insect. But it's sort of playing that timeline of when the masses are going to be sort of able to just ingest it without having to be in in a polite way tricked to to buying it. Which, yeah, it's it's sort of a a double edged sword from from that point of view. And yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a cool place.
1: Yeah, and you can take like the other view too, where like, there is almost this inevitable, like, it will become an ingredient, and then you can find it in a variety of forms, from the consumer level to the, like, you have no choice, it's just in their level, Um, but you can see, like, mushrooms are kind of having a similar moment, where there's a lot of meatloafs that are, like, 40% mushroom, and then meat, like, so we'll probably see some amalgamations, too, Um, and then I really hope, and, and I see this happening, that more chefs like they realize that they're activists and gatekeepers and um you know the chef today is different than before social media where they are tastemakers and they have this responsibility as well to kind of story tell about their food and like what are they talking about and what ingredients are they choosing and um it's going to be cool to see how inventive and creative people can get around this new treasure chest of ingredients where like insects can taste not just good, but fantastic. And they offer this like whole new set of colors kind of to the palette of uh, what culinary artists can create. And then from the flip side, you have chefs that are in charge of um, like the chefs at big companies. They are determining like what access the employees have to nutrition and then what their environmental footprint is. And so seeing organizations like look at that critically and be more mindful of like oh okay like what we're putting on the menu like meat's already been red meats then cut back and now maybe we'll see instead of cutbacks we'll see uh put in like insects should be a part of it and like that moment will be incredible and i think it's quite close
0: yeah that will be the sort of defining moment whereby it sort of again starts just it's it's there in a big way and that's such a good point about yeah chefs and it flashes me back to to and with my background being in medicinal cannabis, at least, but when cannabis, especially in in Canada and the US, when it was first sort of decriminalised and and de- sort of demonised, um, one of the things I remember seeing, and it was it was in the news here, was, was chefs that was incorporating CBD oil into to cooking or THC oil into cooking, and it was just such a a normalised thing, and it was sort of had this this perception around it that they were trying something new, and it was this new sort of trend and and chefs are the 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 culinary sort of leaders to to challenge people to change their tastes and yeah you see what chefs can do with food it's incredible and it's not stuff that necessarily i can replicate at home and i wish i could um but what they can do with some ingredients that you never think you can do they're the ones that are doing it and you can just see if and when they do jump on boards with insects and start creating these incredible culinary experiences that people want to want to do it because they'll want to experience this and yeah, adjust their taste buds. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same, but I think, I think them along with, um, with athletes as well from the, from the protein blend, um, and just, yeah, that there's in in Australia as well, um, with, with powders and little things like corn chips, um, like those are the sorts of things I can see people just jumping on board and, and word of mouth. So yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and just as much as there is like uh, we're getting away from like the ick factor as a term, but I think there's also like a wow factor and a cool factor. And for some insects, like people like are try- are trying to locate them, and like they're like, whoa, okay, I heard about this. I want to try like the caviar of the bug world or this beautiful tin of black ants or like scorpions. I think are interesting. Like technically not insects, they're arthropods, but um, you know we eat them in the same boat and they have a coolness factor that outweighs anything else and people always want to try those because it's it's just cool because of the comparison to lobsters or shrimp and like the close like resemblance i think they're a little easier so we can find a couple more of those bridges and connect the dots and just make them like cool to try um and then also like sushi places and there's a couple low-hanging fruits where it's we're just so close to connecting the supply chain and then I think a lot of the momentum will occur naturally from there.
0: Mm. And and I mean, we can talk about all the different insects, and you mentioned a few like mealworms and and or, or crickets, and and I mean, I don't think I don't believe black soldier flies are being consumed by humans yet, but maybe that's something that might just stay with the the feed and and in, uh, the pet food market. But what other ones? I mean, the insect world is huge. Have you seen any more come on board recently that you were like, oh, I didn't know that was potentially edible or are you again going out there trying to find things you're like I wouldn't say is it in your backyard you go, oh can I eat this <laughs> and, then, and dabble it through that part. Yeah.
1: no I'm not um I'm not smart enough nor entomologically minded enough to play that Darwin award game of like let me try this I see what happens that yeah, yeah, that yeah. To the <laughs> but um I, I mean this used to be I need to be more playful with it again I think that's my goal for like 2022 is like recapture like the the playfulness and the game that this kind of started off as where I was just curious and I am I kind of like want to catch them all like I want to try as many bugs as possible and like log the flavors in my Google spreadsheet that I started 10 years ago just because like I would love to know what every single edible insect tastes like. Um, so going along that uh train of thought i have a bag of black soldier fly larva that i'm excited to try um oh
0: cool okay yeah. I, take, I take back what i said then that's that's my pr- well, i don't know. My, that's my stigmas then
1: <laughs> i don't know if those are like being pushed into um consumer products quite yet uh i do know that there's an amazing like face oil from black soldier fly larva like I mean, talk about research, we're just getting started on learning how to use biology, like to heal our soils and then even our skin, like instead of putting a chemical on your skin, what if you put like an antimicrobial peptide that could heal and restore awesome stuff on the horizon. But food wise, I'm kind of excited to start. I haven't done events in a while. I have a couple coming up in the next few weeks and I'm really, really excited for them. Like it's going to feel awkward at first, but now I'll start like preparing the insects that I have sealed and like airtight bags and uh, attempting to make like good meals again and just playing around with flavors and then getting some of my chef friends to like help me discover new ones. Um, I'll flip the question back on you. What's your favorite insect that you've tried or the most surprising flavor that you've encountered?
0: I mean, I, again, I'm still sort of getting around um, to trying a lot of them. I mean, I'm a big fan of fan of crickets. Um, and, I mean, going back to that practical joke thing, and I think I've mentioned it before when, when speaking with another guest, was we put out some cricket dukkha, um unsuspectingly to a bunch of people. Um, and, yeah, no one really knew it. And then afterwards um, it was like, oh, did you guys know? Um, it was it was Cricket Dooker. Um and someone were, oh, that was really good. And other one sort of, again, as he said, gave me that look of like, How bloody dare you? Um and, and sort of probably did that scarring effect. But yeah, I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan for crickets. Um I haven't had the chance to have a whole sort of bug. I'm I'm quite excited to get to go to, to um Asia later in the year, hopefully. So I'm I'm sort of gonna be going out there looking to to, try these things um I have had a whole cricket once here but I want to go try the other things and and see what they're like um but it's yeah I'm I'm still quite quite a baby in it which is which is awesome so I'm I'm going through the experience of trying it all and yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see how I can I already am like shifting the perceptions from a lot of my friends and and colleagues about it but um yeah that's why I see word of mouth and experience as being the, the key for for helping people sort of uncover this beautiful world it's
1: yeah Yeah. that's amazing and also send me your address after this I'll send you a little bug tasting box because it's what a joy and then yeah use them I will have no responsibility for if you prank friends or not with them but at your discretion
0: yeah I mean I think that's just the person that I am and I'd like to say I can get away with it but there'll definitely be some people that I think will be quite annoyed if I sort of play too many pranks on them and then yeah they will end up doing something back to me which would probably be worth it but um no, it's it's so cool. So looking to the 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 big picture um again getting out the crystal ball in America but not only like America but the world where do you see the the next big um shift happening?
1: Um I think we're in the middle of it. Like right now it's a really crazy time in the world and I keep saying things like well when things go back to normal or when things slow down and another part of my brain goes Allie, like the rate of acceleration just increases like uh, that. So things will just continue to accelerate uh, and things that are issues like food security, um, supply chains, like it will become apparent that we need more sustainable, like local um, uh, kind of modular ways of doing food. Like we did a great job, humans scaled up and found out how to like Make a lot of food and have a lot of people, but the next step is to look at nature and see what the pro at keeping things alive for millions and millions of years does. And nature isn't a line; it's like in a loop. And what's at the beginning and the end of the loop? It's bugs. You know, they are decomposers at the end of any organic thing's life cycle. And instead of sending that organic waste to a landfill where it becomes a greenhouse gas. Um, or does something to the water below it. The insects are just nature's bioprocessors and take what would have been waste and keep those nutrients back in the food system, turn them into natural fats and proteins, and then their poop, which is amazing soil or soil healing frass, and that has all sorts of benefits. So I just think that we're in the middle of this next milestone where a lot of the research that's been happening it is enough to get like the next big wave of funding and the next big wave of like partnerships. I think we're going to see announcements from major universities and companies that uh, about like bigger and bigger, um, investments into the space. And, uh, Tom Berlin uses this, uh, analogy that I love of we've been in a dark room throwing darts at a dartboard and hitting bullseyes every time. Imagine what happens when we turn the lights on. Um, and like, we're about to turn the lights on and, and, you know, we've just been doing research here, research there, like business here, business there, but now it's about to get serious. You know, there'll be like, um, applied research and like, oh, okay. We see that insects actually have a really good effect on, um, the mortality rates of animals, like animal welfare is improved. Let's do a study and see how it affects antimicrobial resistance, which is another big thing. So there's all these areas of impacts that I think insects will be very intentionally um, applied as solutions or betterers uh, for, and that the 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 space is just going to go through um, a giant wave of uh, growth. So that that's it. Probably just like continued growth at a steeper and steeper rate for the next that few exponential years. effect, um, yeah 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 and i think it's like really it's cool because it's like kind of complicated when you get into like some of the science around it um but at the same time it's very very simple it's just like getting out of the way of nature and you know doing life um in a way that is like holistic and uh like regenerative and restorative and it's like how can we continue to grow that's that's what humans do but in a way that uh also replenishes soil. Um, also replenishes food systems. And like we just, I think it's such like a good, um, such a lovely thing to come to the table with a solution today, especially when you're hearing all this bad news about like, oh no, like we we didn't make it. Like we like the IPCC report says that we're doomed. And it's like, well, there are also a couple like really big solutions that are uh, ready to be like applied at at large scale and they impact all these different things and explaining all that is kind of complicated and scary but um like coming to the table with solutions is just it's a good thing today
0: yeah i was i was gonna say that that exact thing the the pandemic is really as expected just sort of shut down so much around the world and and it all seems so doom and gloom but people and and humans being humans um the entrepreneurs the innovations and the solution finders are, are, are trying to to advance it and I think that's again looking at the pandemic from that lighter side that it's really showed so many areas that need improvement and can be improved and and yeah from from this point of view like i just see this as the next sort of evolution of of so many factors from food waste management to, to sustainable living to to replenishing the the soils in the world and and job creation and innovation and research and there's just so so many things and of course feeding people um and that's such a a big thing that people forget about. Um, so you're feeding people and reducing your waste. It's just, it, it almost seems like a, a no brainer, but of course, you know, you've got to get people on board. So to, to finish that ha- going back to the buggable and creating the whole, the brand and the reputation and the trust that you've done, what are, th- what are the key messages that you get across to people to yeah step out of their comfort zone hypothetically and, and try and get involved in bugs?
1: Um, that is a great question. I think buggable has changed a lot over the years. Um, and as have I, and the, the messaging is kind of grown like today. It's more, um, like, a. before we on this podcast, we're talking about like the efforts to direct capital broadly and like, where are the areas of impact and how do you lever like funds to support an industry, but like on the day-to-day, I think that the message I try to get across is just like being playful and curious. And that alone is massive. I fall into robot mode way too frequently. Um, And I think a lot of people do where people get through life or like, there's so much going on that you have to dissociate or disconnect. And uh, I'm a city kid. So like, I think this is the most connected I've ever felt to like the food that I eat and that nourishes me and like a, like, I don't know. I just had never thought about like food comes from the soil and like the soil has an impact on health. So I think that just using the silliness sometimes of insects or like the little bit of fear, just like that kind of moment of like thought that inherently happens when you're about to eat a bug or anything new is a really great tool and invitation to engage more deeply with what you're eating or how you're eating it and to bring uh what is more abundant today as well like mindfulness to the table um and with that mindfulness and playfulness and getting people just to like think more about uh how what they eat impacts their own bodies and the planet um and it's not message of doom and gloom and you have to do this and you have to do that or no more meat and all bugs or no, there's no uh, goal in the communication. It's just the uh, opening up of the conversation, and I think that bugs do that. They are provocative, they are startling, and they certainly get any convo going. And and that's the whole point, is that.
0: Yeah, bring conversations to the table and and coffee tables and businesses and and whatever. And I'm I'm keen to sort of say because you know the term anti-vegan gets thrown around, and I feel that's a good term. But there's gonna be this word that encapsulates just Yeah, having bugs in your diet, and I'm I'm waiting to see what it is, and maybe we'll be the ones to come up with it. Highly likely, I shouldn't say that, but yeah, I'm keen to see what what word is used to describe the people that start incorporating into their full spectrum diet. So not sure what it is. I like
1: that, like full spectrum diets, kind of cool. Um, I've heard logotarian or flexitarian thrown around. I've heard a conscious eater. Um, I still make fun of like the first ever bug conference, like everyone is very seriously discussing what to call people and geo i was that like, just no. doesn't,
0: doesn't roll off the tongue
1: <laughs> That's not gonna work <laughs> but yeah we'll figure it out um yeah that's still like the number one question and the one i have no answer for i have no idea i oh, know you see.
0: just need to get everyone in the room with a whiteboard and then get people that have no idea what it's like and just go figure it out but yeah we'll see it it's going to happen soon um yeah, well, anyway, thank you so much, Ali. This has been absolutely amazing. Uh, I, I, yeah, I love speaking to you. I think you, everything you're doing in the industry um, is incredible. And yeah, you're really a face of it for so many people. So yeah, I really appreciate you coming in and chatting with me today.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, like just seeing your process with the space has been heartwarming. Like, I'm so stoked that it can capture your attention and curiosity. And now you're part of the fam and growing it. So, awesome.
0: Thank you for listening to the Brighter Futures with Chloro podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe and share with your friends. Subscribers will never miss a new episode. Until next time, the future truly looks bright.